I am so glad you decided to stay with us through the break. This is Cleve Gaddis, and you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. Can you imagine being a buyer? Can you imagine the frustration you would have as a buyer? And some of you, by the way, might be in this position. After having made 12 offers on 12 different homes and having not been successful in getting any of the homes you put offers on under contract. Also, if you have a rental home and you have a tenant in place and you decide you want to sell that home, can you do it with the tenant in place? You're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920 The Answer. We want to connect with you. We want to interact with you, answer questions. We want to help you make the best decisions possible. Big questions, small questions, questions that you think might not be smart questions, questions that are very, very smart. It makes no difference to us. We want you to interact with us. Go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio. You can ask questions. You can make comments. You can push back. You can request your neighborhood be featured in our neighborhood spotlight segment which takes place every single week during the fourth segment of the show. You can also subscribe to our podcast. They're available on every single major pod, podcast platform. Easy for me to say, podcast platform. So go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com, and don't wait, Atlanta. Reach on out there. If you've ever had a question you want to ask or you want to be featured on the radio show yourself or make sure your subdivision is featured, reach out to me because we'd love to connect. Blake in College Park feels left out, feels dejected, feels rejected because he's made 12 offers on homes and haven't been able to get a home under contract yet. And he wants to know why is this happening and what do we need to do to snag a home soon? And I really uh, feel badly for Blake and anybody in Blake's situation. If you're listening, you're probably wondering why would they make 12 offers on 12 homes and not get even one of them? Well, in the single-family detached market, I just looked at these numbers yesterday, there's 1.5, excuse me, 1.45 months worth of inventory, which means it would take a whopping six weeks to sell every home that's currently listed as long as no new homes come on the market. If you have less than four months worth of inventory, we say that's a seller's market. So it is a screaming seller's market right now in the residential detached market. So that's Blake's first problem. Now, the second thing is Blake should not have been surprised. And this is not Blake's fault because Blake is the buyer. Blake is not the buyer's agent. But Blake should not have been surprised that he keeps having competition for listings. Because a good real estate agent can tell you based on the month's worth of supply the number that I just went through with you a second ago, the 1.45 months, can help you understand if you're buying an area where the months of supply are low and you're looking at houses that are really good quality inventory, somebody should be telling you in advance that you're going to have to compete with other buyers. And so as part of working with Gaddis Group here at REMAX Center, we have what's called a sure home buying system. And we believe that it is our job to help you understand whether or not you're going to be in multiple offer situations before you get into multiple offer situations. And we believe that it is our obligation, our duty, to help you have a list of best practices that you can put in place with your offer to make sure your offer stands out from the rest. So if you're okay, Atlanta, what I'd love to do is go through some of the items 
that we teach our buyers to do so that they can win in multiple offer situations. It's terrible to say we're, 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 we're putting on our fighting gear and we're being competitive, but if you want to get home, you better get serious about getting out there and getting that home. Because I know a lot of people are like, hey, if it's meant to be, it's not meant to be. The problem is, is that when somebody else gets that house that they just love and they drive by there on a Wednesday evening at 7.30 and they see the light on in the dining room and somebody else's family eating in the dining room where they wanted to eat. And I'm just saying that if it's a house that you love and that you want, you might as well fight for it. You might not win it, but you might as well fight for it. So here's a couple things you need to consider. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920, The Answer. I'm Cleve Gaddis. In addition to being the host of this show, I'm a full-time real estate agent and broker. I've been in the business myself for 20 years. My family's been in for 33 years. We help home buyers and home sellers make the best decisions possible when buying, selling, or investing anywhere in Metro Atlanta. My wife and I have been investing in real estate since 1992 and we absolutely love it. So we're happy to talk to you about investment real estate as well. So here's a few tips. I don't know how many we'll get through on this, but if you're a buyer and you're running into problems getting a home or you're a parent and one of your children are trying to buy a home and they're being shut out, please, please pay attention to these items because some things on this list can make a huge difference. Number one, in, offer an increased amount of earnest money. Don't be afraid to really put your money where your mouth is if you offer 20000 in earnest money, for example, and all the other offers have 5000 or 4000 or 3000 that just might cause the seller to pay more attention to your offer. I will tell you, we negotiated a multiple offer situation last weekend where one of the buyers had $12,000 in earnest money, and the rest of the buyers, the maximum amount of earnest money was either $2,500 or $3,000. The seller was absolutely positively committed to figuring out how to work with that buyer, even though there was a lot of reasons that the buyer was not the best buyer and that we needed to work to make the offer and the paperwork stronger. The seller was committed because they had caught that this person is putting $12,000, everybody else is putting $3,000. This person is going to act more in earnest. This person is going to be more obligated to doing the right things. And it really makes sense. Now, the reality is, is that during the due diligence period, the buyer still has the right to terminate and get all of that earnest money back. But the seller thinks the buyer is more committed. Second one, send in proof of funds with cash offers or a very strong pre-approval letter when financing is required. If financing is required, go ahead and get fully approved, subject only to the inspection and the appraisal. If you're working with a lender, in today's world, if you're afraid to give the lender all of your personal financial information, don't be afraid. Give them everything. Give them everything and let them get you approved. Because if you go in with an approval letter only subject to the identification of the property and the appraisal and homeowner's insurance, that is a much, much, much stronger appraisal. Let's talk about something else. This is something a lot of buyers and buyer's agents don't do, but really make something stick out to a seller. Allow the seller to possibly maintain possession of the property for a few days after closing. It's not allowed in every state. It is in Georgia. It'll definitely be noticed by the seller. So you say, we want to close on October the 20th, but we're going to allow you to maintain possession of the home for two days after closing, which allows the seller to go to closing, get their money, and then move all of their stuff out. Might make you a little uncomfortable as a buyer, but that might just give you the leg up that you're looking for to be able to get in that winning spot for that home. No, here's another one. Write your best offer first. In other words, make an offer that is good enough that you won't beat yourself up if you lose out on the property. I have seen so many buyers 
on our listings lose out on the property because they wanted to start at 375 instead of 385 and just see what happens. The problem is you only get one chance for that first impression. And if you mess up that first impression, you might not be able to go back and fix that problem. Here's another recommendation, and if you've just joined us, you're listening to Cleve Gaddis. This is Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920. Atlanta's the answer. And we are giving winning strategies for buyers, home buyers, in multiple offer situations. We've said you should increase your earnest money. We've said you should send in proof of funds and real strong pre-approval letters. We've suggested that you should allow the seller to maintain the property for a few days <clears throat> after closing. We've also suggested that you write your best offer. Don't be goofing around. When an agent tells you you're going to be in multiple offer situations, go ahead and make a really, really good, strong offer first. Next, I want to remind you that you need to make sure you understand home values in the area. The list price of a home has nothing to do with the value of the home. And so my suggestion is that you have the agent and you work together to do some independent valuation of the home because sometimes a house is worth more than someone has it listed for. And if that's the case, then you shouldn't be afraid to pay for it. Another thing to remember when you're trying to win in multiple offer situations is don't include any unnecessary contingencies. So ideally, you would say no inspection, no appraisal, no financing is sort of as strong as you could possibly get. I'm not saying that you would be comfortable doing that, but I'm saying that a seller would certainly recognize the difference and somebody came in with no financing and appraisal contingency versus someone who did. You definitely in today's market, and this is a biggie, don't want to include contingencies for the sale or lease of another property unless absolutely necessary. If a seller has multiple offers and your offer is contingent upon you selling your home, why would a seller want to risk you not being able to sell your home when they have five or six other buyers who are ready, willing, and able to close soon. Here's a good one. Don't include any unnecessary, <coughs> unnecessary requests for home warranties, termite bonds, and personal property. <coughs> it doesn't mean you shouldn't ask for what you need, but don't ask for a bunch of unnecessary stuff. Don't ask the seller to pay part of your closing cost unless absolutely necessary. Here's a good one. Try to find out what's important to the seller and give it to them. It might be something as simple as a quick closing or an extended closing. Make sure your agent is building a relationship with the listing agent from the very beginning. And then make sure the seller understands what you love about the home and why you're the perfect buyer for it. You should write a brief cover letter that can be presented along with your offer. And make sure your agent does not put your cover letter at the back of the offer. Make sure they put that cover letter on the front of the offer. Very first page had the sellers in Stockbridge not too long ago and a buyer wrote a beautiful letter. It was the very first page. In fact, this deal closed within the last couple of weeks. The seller's wife, the wife of the two owners, fell in love with the lady who had written her that letter. So it can be very powerful. Here's another thing you could do is include an escalation clause. For example, you might be willing to pay $1,000 more than the next highest bona fide offer. Your state might have forms for this in the state of Georgia. Uh, most realtors know how to write a special stipulation for that. Uh, we had someone win a multiple offer situation just a couple of days ago where they had agreed to pay $2,500 higher than the highest other bona fide offer, and they're the ones who got the deal. Last thing I want to remind you of is if your offer doesn't win, sometimes being a backup works well too. When you have a buyer who buys in a multiple offer situation, buyer's remorse can be huge. And sometimes if you do a backup, you'll be in the right place at the right time. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. 
If you're feeling like you're not able to keep up with finding the good inventory, we can talk to you about that. And then what are the projections for sales and sales prices in 2021 throughout North America? Stick with us. We'll be back.